Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast. I'm Ben McKee here alongside Eric Kane on a Sunday afternoon following Tennessee's sweep of Georgia Southern. Tennessee starts its campaign, 2022 campaign this weekend, year five of the Tony Vitello era, and started off on a bang, with a bang. Three wins, uh, a sweep. You can't ask for much better than that, Eric Kane. No, you can't. And, um, and of course, you know, there's still a lot of questions about the Tennessee baseball team. And, you know, we're not going to have the answers to those for quite some time. But as you pointed out, you come out, you throw well, you hit the crap out of the baseball, you pick up three wins, you have two shutouts. I mean, it, it's about it's pretty much. A, and you said, <laughs> I mean, you said a program uh, attendance record for a, a weekend series. So. Um, it's about the best way you can start a season, and uh, I, I think a lot of fun was had by all attending Lindsey Nelson Stadium and everybody who watched um, back at home and listened. Absolutely. Friday night, Tennessee picked up a big 9 to nothing win, and the story was Chase Burns. And Chase Burns, Tennessee's uh, phenom freshman. That's right. I'm, I'm already calling him a phenom because I think that's what he is going to turn out to be for Tennessee. I mean, he was just absolutely terrific on the mound. The, the bats, they produced nine runs. We'll talk about Trey Lipscomb, Jarrell, or Tega here in a second. But Eric Chase Burns lived up to the hype on Friday. And, yes, it was against Georgia Southern. He'll, he'll get a big test here in two weeks against number one Texas if he starts on Friday once again. But his first career start and his first career college baseball game couldn't have been much better than what it was. Five scoreless innings, only gave up two hits on 70 pitches, allowed just one walk, struck out five, and most importantly, picked up the win. Yeah, I mean, I think that's huge. Yes, Chase Burns, we believe, is going to be a stud, right? I mean, we believe that uh, here in the SEC, we think that he'll have a professional's career. He already turned down millions of dollars to go uh, to college. So, yeah, I mean, the proof's in the pudding and what he, what we believe what he uh, will eventually turn into. Let me try to get that out there. But still, it's your it's your first collegiate start. I mean, it's opening day. It's SEC baseball. I know Georgia Southern's on the SEC, but you know what I'm saying. And so if there were any pregame jitters there, I mean, you didn't see much of them, right? Um, being able to go five strong. What I mean by five strong is you know, hit 98, you know, on the gun. As you mentioned, giving up only two hits. Obviously, you know, five scoreless there. Um you know, 70 pitches in five innings. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty good. And so for him to come out and, and look that good, you know, and, and that can be said the same for a couple other pitchers this weekend and we'll get to them, but for him to come out and look that good in his first collegiate outing, I thought that was really, really encouraging. And you know, he'll pitch more, he'll stretch out a little bit and Tennessee obviously is going to have to rely on him, but you're right. Story of the game Friday nights. Um, and it, you know, one of the most intriguing players on this team all off season was at the chase burns and he produced. Yes, and set the tone for the weekend. And mm-hmm. he certainly did not look like a true freshman making his first career start. That's what Tony Vitello said after the game, that he certainly does not act like one uh, when he's on the mound, that being a true freshman. But when he's off the mound, he does act like he is six years old and uh, <laughs> never not smiling. And uh, he said that there's a lot of great players I've coached and – Almost all of them are two different people in and out of uniform. When he's on the field, he's very serious about competing. It's important for him to be great. He wants to be great. 
reminiscent of Blake Tidwell last year. He has advanced stuff, but there's a lot of guys across the country that don't have advanced intangibles or character to go with that advanced stuff if they're fortunate enough enough to have it. And he's got both things going on, and it's fun to watch. So high praise from Tony Vitello after Chase Burns' first career start on Friday. Jarrell Ortega, Tennessee's infielder, uh, he also had some high praise for Chase Burns, uh, saying that that's actually what he expected and kind of what they've seen all fall long. I've seen that dude pitch since the fall about a hundred times, and it's not fun to face. I'll tell you that right now. It's not fun. Any count, he can throw whatever he wants. All the pitches he has, and he has that control, and he has some maturity as a freshman. Him being able to start as a freshman opening day, that says it all. That guy is great. A freshman up to 99, I mean, he's a freak. He was on the day. I don't think you can ask for any stuff better than that. So certainly high praise from Tony Vitello and some of Chase Burns' teammates. And we'll, we'll discuss Chase Dolander here in a second because he was certainly terrific on Saturday as well. But I, I couldn't help but think, even though it's a very small sample size so far, Kane, Blade Tidwell comes back. And Blade Tidwell, Chase Dolander, and Chase Burns, that weekend rotation is just absolute filth. I mean, it is, and it's it's almost like you don't want to talk about it right now, but we're going to talk about it right now because it's because <laughs> so, that's what we do. Yeah, I mean, it's what we get paid to do, right? It's so it's so early, um, but yeah, man. I mean, j- just seeing the small, I mean, hearing the hype, seeing you know the recruitment videos, seeing the tape from high school, seeing what you know draft uh, analysis guys were saying about Chase Burns, and obviously you know keeping him here in this recruiting class, seeing it in action was awesome. Dolander, whoo, was awesome, and then you had Ch- you you had uh, Tidwell into that mix. Yeah, I mean Tennessee's set up to to be sitting pretty, but long way to go before that happens. Obviously, a big part of that's the rehab for Tidwell, getting him back in, uh, getting back get back into the rotation. It's Tony Vitello again. I mentioned this on the podcast last week. It's almost like a big free agent acquisition at the deadline, right, or a trade deadline acquisition, and that's what Tennessee's hoping to get. But the um, it, it it feels like it could be really, really good and even better than what Tennessee's had, you know, last year. And that, again, that's no disrespect to, you know, to, to cheese and to, to humbly and to have fun and those type of guys who obviously were just so big for both in starting rotation. And of course, coming out of the pen is that stopper. It feels good about what Tennessee has here in the next couple of weeks. Yes. I, I got a text from somebody who was very close to the program and said, and, and this was on Saturday at uh 148 PM. So about 45 minutes to an hour into Chase Dolander's start. And, and the text said, this is word for word. Would Titty, Burns, and Dolander be the best rotation in Tennessee history? <laughs> so so uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll have to I, – I didn't really put much thought into it. I, I said probably with two laughing emojis. We'll have to go back and check some of those late 90s and, and early 2000s teams that had Luke Kochaver and – uh, some other brilliant arms uh, on on those teams. We'll have to go back and compare and maybe project. Maybe we can touch on, on that on our uh, preview podcast for for next weekend. Just uh, giving a guess early on, and then we'll have to revisit that at, at the end of the year as well. But man, it certainly has the potential. And as as and certainly in my time keeping up with Tennessee baseball and covering Tennessee baseball over the last decade or so, it's by far the best and has the most potential and the most dynamic that I have seen. And it's not even close. I mean, all three of the, all three of these guys, we talked about this in the preview pod. 
if if it plays out the way that it should, all three are first round picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. And of course, uh, I was uh, I didn't cover the game on Sunday, so I didn't get to see in person being pitch up, of course. But what did what did he top out on, on Sunday? Because I know in the first inning he topped out at ninety five. He was the only Tennessee pitcher on the weekend that didn't hit ninety eight in the first inning. Uh, what, what did he top out during the game? Do you know? 95, 95 was as high as I uh, I saw him up to, and that uh, ain't that, slow. Yeah, no, it, it's not slow. That is that's pumping it in there. But he mm-hmm. he's more of a a low to to mid 90s guy he'll he'll probably sit 92 93 94 somewhere in there i imagine with the adrenaline going and it being his first start he was able to get up there and pump it up to 95 but uh, he's just kind of a pitcher rather than a thrower if that makes sense he's a really efficient pitcher with low to mid 90s stuff on his fastball has a really good curveball and changeup. so we'll talk about drew bean but he he certainly looked the part as as well aside from chase burns living up to the hype on Friday in his first career start, Kaner. Uh, the, the two other things that stood out to me was that, A, Tennessee flexed the power. Tennessee hit uh, four home runs on Friday night. Uh, Trey Lipscomb had a big two-run home run in the fourth inning. Seth Stevenson hit a two-run home run in the fifth inning. Jarrell Ortega hit an absolute bomb in the fifth inning, a, a three-run homer that was just left of the batter's eye. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think it was 103 exit velocity off the bat, and it traveled 411 feet. I think that's what it was, 103 off the bat, 411 uh, distance, and he absolutely crushed it. And then Christian Scott, he stepped in as a pinch hitter in the seventh inning. He hit a home run, so uh, the home runs led Tennessee to a 9-0 opening day win over Georgia Southern on Friday. And then Camden Sewell, after Tony Vitello told us earlier in the week that he was unlikely to pitch due to a finger injury, is the first guy in relief all weekend. So th- thanks for that, Tony. But uh, that, that's obviously a great sign for Tennessee. He looked terrific. Two scoreless innings of work, 15 pitches, didn't give up a hit or a walk and, and struck out two. So that finger injury that he suffered after taking a ground ball off of that finger, it looked good. So uh, Camden Sewell making an appearance, and and the home runs were kind of the other storyline to Friday night's game. Yeah, I get, the way I kind of took it was it was the the newcomers. All, not all of them are freshmen; they're newcomers. You know, at least to the lineup or to the program. You know, with you know guys who have been here stepping into starting roles and producing, or guys coming in via the offseason stepping into starting roles and producing. And then, of course, you got Chase Burns. So it was kind of the, the new faces that were the story on Friday night. And, and that's so encouraging, right? And then it was the old heads that we'll get to on Saturday that kind of, you know, paved the way for the most part, at least in the lineup. So, I mean, it was awesome. You know, Ortega, he had a he had a couple of blasts this weekend that were, can we say, no doubters, absolute yes. no doubters. And uh, good to see the production from Stevenson, of course, you touched on. And, and a guy that's just sat here, waited his turn, uh, been a great teammate and Lipscomb, uh, you know, at least he produced pretty well at the, you know, at the plates uh, this week and had an error on Saturday that that doesn't need to happen routinely. And I'm sure it won't, but uh, that was kind of my big takeaway. It was just great to see all these, these new guys producing, producing in a big way. And it's kind of saying, all right, well, it looks like Tennessee's not going to skip a beat, um, you know, at least here in the season opener. Yes. And, and one thing I do want to mention before we, before we move on to Saturday, and we'll have a broader conversation before we get out of here about the attendance this weekend. But on Friday night, the attendance set a record. 
it, it set a record uh, for opening day crowd. 4,335 people were in attendance, and that was a, a Lindsey Nelson Stadium record for the opener. The previous record was 2,812 in the 2012 opener. So not only did Tennessee break the record, but they shattered it. Yeah. Nearly, uh, if doing quick math in my head, looks like 1,500 more people or so, 1,700 more people than that previous record. And not only was it an opening day record, Kaner, but it was one of the largest crowds in Tennessee history. So good to see the fans coming out. We'll have a broader conversation about the fans uh, before we get out of here. But the, the fans were terrific all weekend. And Tony Vitello said this following Sunday's game today that Saturday and Sunday, it's easy to show up to the ballpark. Nothing but sunshine. The temps were feeling good. Friday night was not baseball weather. It was cold. It wasn't cold. Mm-hmm. It was freezing. It, it looked ugly outside. But the fans still showed up and uh, speaks to what Tony Vitello has done and certainly set the tone for the weekend, as did Chase Burns. Now, on Saturday, you got to go and cover the game. And I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Kaner. I, I had my jokes ready. I, I had my jokes ready because I covered Friday night's game. We had home runs. Tennessee's winning. I mean, I, I appeared to be good luck. I show show up back on Sunday. Tennessee wins 14 to nothing. And then here you are showing up covering the game. Tennessee's not hitting home runs. Tennessee gets down three to nothing for the first time all year. It, it's looking like the bats are just going to be cold. The season was one day, day old, Benjamin. Come on. I, I, I don't care. Don't 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 bring your facts in here. OK. And then uh, the sixth inning happened. It, it did. The sixth inning happened. But I did have my tweets prepared. I, I had <laughs> I had it in my drafts. That hey, Kane shows up and Tennessee quits hitting home runs. Coincidence? I think not. But to your point, that that sixth inning was was bad, but then it got really good. Yeah, yeah. It um, it, it started off started off bad because I mean you had you had Dollander who was just, I mean he was humming, man. I mean we we you saw the tweets, you saw the video highlights, and then a lot of people jumped on board as the day went on, even after the game. You know, comparing. Um, you know, him to, to Jacob DeGrom, which was just in his delivery, which was awesome. Um, but he was, he was making quick work. I mean, he was working fast and I, you know, broadcasting minor league baseball for a couple of seasons, you as well, being a part of the Smokies there for a couple of years, we know what bad, bad, well, you, you know, by the time you get to the double a level, I mean, everyone's, you know, pretty, pretty good at baseball, but you still have those games that are like three 30 and sometimes pushing forward. It's like, Oh my gosh, this is why everybody hates baseball. Let me tell you rookie level baseball. Every game is like three 30 and uh, three hours and 30 minutes. And that's that how game, every look, that's how every game was before Tony Vitello showed up. So yeah, I, I, I did do double a with the Smokies, like you mentioned, but I also at the same time was watching those Serrano teams. Mm-hmm. And, and those are typical, like for midweek too, a lot of times because they're bullpen games and stuff. But nonetheless, that game was humming. Chase was just was just hitting on all cylinders, and he just started racking up the strikeouts. I mean, six strikeouts, seven strikeouts. At one point in time, he retired six in a row via strikeouts against his former team. You know, guys that he a lot of these guys in the lineups that, that know him, know his stuff. I mean, he's thrown to them a ton. You know, in, in you know recent years. So, um, I thought he was just incredible. Topped out at ninety eight. Um, he got into that sixth inning, got tired. He admitted to it after the game, saying, "Hey, I haven't you know gone this long in a while, and so I, I was a little bit tired." But he went five plus, 
you know, four hits, three earned runs, 11 strikeouts is where he finished, 84 pitches total. And a lot of those came, uh, you know, his only trouble rather, you know, came in the, uh, in, in that, uh, fit, that sixth inning. So, um, I, I thought he was awesome. And then, but, you know, credit Tennessee's bullpen comes in, you know, gets him out of the jam and slams the door shut, pitches four innings of scoreless baseball to finish it off. But what we saw from uh, Dolander was incredible on uh, on Saturday. And if that's any indication of what we're going to get this year, again, like we were talking about earlier, you go from from Burns on Friday night to Dolander on Saturday. I mean, you're, it's going to be hard to beat Tennessee on those Friday and Saturday matchups. If this is if this is what we're going to get consistently, because it was great to watch. Yeah, and they may they may not mess with Burns, and they may keep him on, in that Friday night spot moving forward once mm-hmm. Tidwell comes back. But Burns, who looked awesome, he may get bumped to Sunday. It's going to be Tidwell, and then Dolander, and then Chase Burns. I mean, what if how, you do it this about- way? This isn't necessary. This is not tennis, okay? But if you know tennis, you, <laughs> you go one, two, three, four, five. What if you put Tidwell, who's your one, put him at three on Sunday, get him while they're tired, just pick up, you know, in double A, excuse me, in D two baseball at Carson Newman. <laughs> When I covered that team for a little while, that's what they would do. And a lot of teams in the conference would do that too. They put their ace on Sunday at the end of the weekend. So <laughs> now nah, any way you want to spin it, it's going to be a tough out, but that, that is a good conversation to have when the time comes. Yes. If, if, especially if, if Burns continues to, you know, keep it up and put together some quality starts after quality starts, not a bad problem though, for Tony Vitello. Absolutely. And Tony Vitello and Frank Anderson, they put a whole lot of importance on that Saturday game as well. Because the the Saturday game is the swing game uh, for the weekend. Uh, if you win on Friday night, you're going for the series win. You're going for the kill shot. If if you lose on Friday night, you you show up on Saturday looking to avoid losing the series. So yep. uh, it, it'll be interesting to interesting to see how uh, Tony Vitello does maneuver that. But just funny to think that all this talk about Burns and he may get bumped. Uh, to Sunday <laughs> and how about that showing up to the ballpark on Sunday and having to deal with with Chase Burns that that is something but aside from Dolander uh, the COVID seniors showed up when you needed them to Eric and, and that's why it was so important to get Redmond Walsh back uh, to get uh, Evan Russell back to get Luke Lipsius back you, you needed those guys to return with how many you were losing to professional baseball and they delivered on on Saturday and in game two, Dolander gives up the three runs in the top of the sixth inning. And then in the bottom of the sixth inning, Kyle Booker, he gets Tennessee on the board with an RBI ground out. And that set up Evan Russell to hit a game tying two run single through the left side, tied the game up. And then an inning later, fellow COVID senior Luke Lipsius steps to the plate, hits an RBI double to give Tennessee a 4-3 lead. And Tennessee did not look back. Jarrell Ortega hit a solo homer, his second massive of the weekend. I mean, it yes. was it was it was a shot. I don't know, like yeah, I don't know the exit velocity oh, or anything or how far I it traveled, either. but just a just piss a missile, shot. baby. Piss missile. I, that's when you know baseball season here where we can start working in piss missile. Yes, yes. And and shout out to uh Jason Swain who had the best tweet of the weekend because I, I've been teaching him the the baseball lingo on the show <laughs> because he he, th- he thinks it's just so hilarious that Blake Tidwell's nickname is Titty and uh you know they, they say that oh you pissed on that ball and oh that was a piss missile and oh the pitcher's shoving and and rake they're, they're raking at the plate he's yeah. he's got a he's he's had a fun time over the last year or so learning uh the the baseball lingo and he, he sent me the one of the Simpsons 
uh, peeing and, and talking about how it felt so good and, and how that's what t- Tennessee was doing to the baseball. So I was rolling uh, at, at that. Also, nobody told me that Swain actually played baseball for Georgia Southern. I mean, Jason Swan, uh, their, their first mm-hmm. baseman, I was like, hold on. Uh, who I got to get to the stadium Friday and here's Jason Swan on, on the scoreboard hitting at the plate. And I'm like, hold up. Why, why didn't nobody tell me that Swain was playing baseball this year? I, I was stunned. <laughs> I thought of that. I thought of that Saturday as well, but no, you're, you're exactly right. You had, again, like I said, on Friday night, you had the, you had the youth, you had the newcomers, the new faces, which were the story that was awesome on Saturday, uh, you know, aside from Dolander, who was incredible, you had the vets, the guys you know about, the guys who have been around a long time. Some, like Booker, hadn't played a whole lot. He came in there. Some, like uh, you know, Luke Lipsius, has played an awful lot. He came through. And then you had a guy by the name of Drew Gilbert that just went ahead and blew this game wide open. Bases loaded. Bottom of the eighth inning. A piss missile out of Lindsey Nelson Stadium. <laughs> and it's just, you know, Drew Gilbert again. And so that was that was awesome to see for sure. And that that's... That's all she wrote. Tennessee ended up winning 10 to three, of course, but it was kind of funny. That game was going by so quickly because it took a while for Tennessee's bats to wake up. Again, the sixth inning and on, there was a ton of offense, but those five, those first five innings, you know, zero span the scoreboard and we were going, I'm sitting there. And again, this is always a broadcaster's curse or a, you know, did you jinx it, Kaner? I didn't say anything out loud, but I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, all right, so I'm going to get home in time for tip off (laughs) for the Arkansas game. I'll be loading the video during that getting ready to go to a concert that night. I'm like, and then I'm just like, oh my God, this game is going to take forever. But at least it took forever and Tennessee was scored runs because of course, you know, it was, it was a whole lot of fun to watch that. And, and again, credit the bullpen. Ethan Smith comes in, get makes his Tennessee debut, actually picks up the win, a lot of, a lot of hit, but uh, Russell was able to throw a guy out who came off the back of the bag, no runs. Um, a lot of three hits actually, but no runs in, in that realm. Had a strikeout too. Redmond Walsh looked great. Um, that Tennessee bullpen all weekend long looked fantastic. And you know, picking up your starter who was incredible all game long, just got tired, able to come in, pick him up, and pitch four scoreless. Uh, again, a, a team win for Tennessee. Eleven strikeouts for Chase Dolander in his Tennessee debut. Struck out six in a row at one point. My favorite part of his debut. He didn't allow a walk. That That is my favorite part about his debut. And I hate that I missed seeing him in person. Also hate that I missed seeing Ethan Smith make his debut in person, but sounds like both were electric. I uh, heard that Ethan Smith and, and his changeup was, was looking really, really good. So those are going to be two big pieces for Tennessee uh, this upcoming season. And that secured the win which is obviously always important, and it allowed Tennessee to show back up to the ballpark on Sunday and try to go for the sweep, and Tennessee did exactly that. The bats just came unglued uh, this afternoon at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Tennessee wins 14 to nothing to sweep Georgia Southern, and before we break down the game individually, how about these uh, big picture facts, uh, stats, uh, from Tennessee sweeping Georgia Southern. Fourth straight year, Tennessee has began the season with a sweep, which is pretty impressive, uh, especially when you consider that two of those four sweeps are against Georgia Southern, and Georgia Southern has a, a good baseball program. And the first time you swept them, they were even better last year, and, and you were on the road. You outscored them 33-3 to this weekend, and over the course of the last four season opening sweeps uh, Tennessee is outscoring its opponent 
116. Hold on. Let me let me bring up my tweet real quick to make sure that I, I've got the number right. Uh, Tennessee outscores Georgia Southern 33 to 3 this weekend. And then over the course of those four consecutive sweeps to start the season, Tennessee is outscoring the opponent 106 to 16, which is just absolutely incredible. And talk about uh, starting the season on the right foot. Man, Tennessee did that this weekend. The the bats really broke out on Sunday after doing so towards the end of Saturday's game, 14 runs on 16 hits. And you look at the the different stats and not even stats, you look at the different situational uh, hitting benchmarks that the coaches look at, and it was just incredible from top to bottom. You hit 333 with two outs. You hit 478 with runners on base. You hit 467 with runners in scoring position. You were four for eight on the day leading off an inning. A perfect six for six with runners on third and less than two outs. Five for nine against lefties and 19 for 28 in advancement opportunity. So Drew Beam gets his first career start, like you mentioned earlier, Kane. But the bats, they showed up early and often on Sunday. Yeah, you mentioned a bunch of those there. And, uh, you know, just something I'm looking at on the uh, on the box score right here. You had six doubles. So I look at extra bases. No home runs in, in Sunday's <laughs> game, which a huge story for Friday and Saturday. But the extra base hits were a plenty. Six doubles. You had two triples, which was great to see. You left seven men on. But when you drive in 14, you're not going to complain about that, right? It'd be different if you if you finish the game scoring two or three runs, you left seven or eight on base, but um, especially in scoring position. But when you when you bring home 14, that's hard to complain. But 14 runs on 16 hits, no errors. It's uh, and a ton of eight, eight total extra base hits, none of which include the long ball. Again, yeah, the bats have came alive and uh, numerous guys had, you know, multi-hit days. Of course, you know, Stevenson in that leadoff spot had a multi-hit day. Jordan Beck had three hits. Uh, you had, you know, Cortland Lawson, who looks like he's, Obviously, the best defensive option at shortstop, settling in there at shortstop, at least for the opening weekend. He had a, a multi-hit uh, game, but only one, two, three guys, you know, in that lineup, you know, failed to come up with a hit, at least in the starting lineup. So uh, it was great to see and, and a good way to finish, too, because, again, it, you know, how many times it'd be so easy just to kind of roll over, got the series win. It's Sunday, whatever, but you're trying to go for the, as you put it, like kind of that kill shot, finish off with a sweep and finish off a great weekend for Tennessee baseball that included so many different fans in the stands. Yes, and on top of the bats producing on Sunday, you had two different debuts that were pretty key. We mentioned it. Drew Beam gets the start. A freshman right-hander who really hasn't pitched a ton recently. His junior season of high school is canceled due to COVID. That that junior season of high school baseball was canceled due to COVID. His senior year, he shut down because of Tommy John and wasn't a whole lot of buzz about him in, in the fall. But as the he didn't throw was, much in football either, if that, if that counts. Yes, correct. He was it's a quarterback. Very, very much of a running school. <laughs> yes, at, at Blackman High School. But still very impressive that he was the quarterback there. And, and now he's a collegiate pitcher. Um, but he's working back from from Tommy John. He, he's back, but this has really been his first time really pitching in, in a game against people other than his teammates. And, and I thought he looked really good. I thought he was really, really effective. Uh, I didn't like that he gave up three walks. But, hey, the first game jitters. Uh, he'll, he'll settle in. Um, the way that it was described to me is that he is a, a pitcher, not a thrower. Uh, he, he's going to pound the zone. Uh, we, we talked about it. I mean, low to mid-90s fastball. A uh, good curveball, good changeup, and aside from the three walks, didn't allow a run. Only gave up one hit. He struck out one through sixty pitches over three innings. And what I liked most about him, 
Kaner is that he even had some moments where he needed to, needed to get out of a jam. Uh, he gave up the, the first hit of the game in the third inning. It was a triple into the right field corner, and he was able to strand that run. And he even had some, some walks in the first and second inning uh, where it was a two-out walk, maybe in both innings, and allowed some guys to get on base, and Georgia Southern was threatening, and he just nipped it right in the bud there. Uh, and I, that's what I like the most is, is that he, he did face some adversity and he overcame it and got Tennessee out of the inning. And who knows, if, if he doesn't end that situation, maybe Georgia Southern is, is able to get the bats going on Sunday. Yeah, for sure. And as you kind of mentioned, I, you know, you're not crazy about the 60 pitches and three innings, but again, it's going to take him a while to, you know, you know, go a little bit more, you know, four or five, six, you know, however long they want to go. And for a guy that's not thrown an awful lot, but no runs, you know, um, the three walks, no runs. And that's something, too. You didn't see an awful lot of adversity this weekend because, quite frankly, Tennessee won, what, 33 to three total, you know, run differential and had two shutouts. So there wasn't a lot of adversity. But, you know, Dolander on Saturday got into some adversity. Uh, Trey Lemscum let a ball get right between him in the left field. Uh, that runner got all the way to third, and Dolander was able to get out of that. Of course, he ran into trouble in the sixth. But, uh, you know, being the same way, able to strand runners on base, able to get out of it, that was good to see. And I think we'll get to see, at least from the bullpen perspective, a lot of that you know, maybe this week because there's two midweek games um, because a lot of those arms are going to be going um, on Tuesday and Wednesday. And so, you know, how can they do when they face adversity, trying to strand runners on base, you know, the defense, what are they going to do behind them, at least with the shifts, maybe come in, stuff like that. Wanted to see a little bit more of that this weekend, but obviously whenever you have, again, you win, you win like you did, you didn't have to see an awful lot of that. And so uh, that was good, but that's something to be watching for is obviously the season goes on these first couple of weeks, how they perform, Backs against the wall and having to having to find outs, you know, whether it be the strikeout or uh, the the shallow fly ball, keeping runners, uh, you know, there at third base and not being able to tag up. The other notable debut on Sunday was Ben Joyce, the hard throwing Knoxville native out of the bullpen, who is projected to be a very key piece to Tennessee's bullpen this year and, and just a key piece on Tennessee's pitching staff. In general, he's only going to be a bullpen guy. Don't ever expect him to start unless they do some opener type of stuff like the Tampa Bay Rays like to do. But he comes in. He only throws two pitches because it took two pitches to, to get his guy out. He came in with two outs, and it only took two pitches to, to get his man out. But his first pitch, 100 miles an hour. <laughs> 100 miles an hour right out of the gate and – Again, we, we talked about this on the season pod. I had somebody tell me that in a bullpen in January, he hit 103 on the gun. So expect a lot of heat from Ben Joyce. We talked about Tidwell and Dolander and Burns and how hard they throw. Joyce is the hardest throwing pitcher on the team. And you, you no. saw that for, for two pitches today. Uh, it was only two pitches. It, it was a game that was already out of hand. But just good to see him on the mound because like Beam, he's working back from Tommy John as well so uh, a good good opening weekend for Tennessee you, you saw what you needed to see from the pitching staff you saw what you needed to see from the bats and Tennessee did what it was supposed to do and Tennessee is a better program than Georgia Southern and they treated Georgia Southern as such so uh, before we get out of here Kaner just kind of what do you feel like you learned the most about Tennessee baseball this weekend yeah I learned that uh you know, these arms can shove <laughs> these these newcomers. Uh, they, they look good. And, and again, it's such a small sample size. So there's no 
definitive, you know, definite like conclusion that I have on any of these players right now. But it was good. I, I like what I saw from Chase Burns. Like what I saw from obviously Chase Dolander. Uh, you know, Drew Beam on Sunday. Uh, able to keep up with that on my phone as I was off doing some family duties. Uh, I like what I saw from the pitching staff. And again, I've been I've been praising the bullpen, and I'm intrigued to see all these arms this week as well because again. Midweek games, there are going to be a ton of arms. Um, likely, I mean, you'll know better than I, and we'll talk about it in a minute. I would assume they're probably a bullpen game um, at some point in time this week. So uh, looking forward to that. So I like what I saw from the arms. And again, I liked, there was a lot of people that played this weekend, a ton of different lineup combinations, a lot of different pitch hitters and everything. And I think you know, Tony Vitello is just trying to find those right guys who are trying to earn some playing time and trying to solidify some spots. Uh, but I like the fact that a lot came in and played and a lot produced and um, I, I think that's key, you know, moving forward because those that might not, you know, lock down that left field spot, looks like Tennessee's got their shortstop, right? But might not lock down that left field spot or lock down that second base spot. You know, those guys can be used to come off the bench and be, you know, big pieces for this team. So I liked all the options that I saw. Um, I, I want to ask you a question when you, I mean, I'm sure you were going to answer this as well, but before we get out of here, I want to ask, I want to bring up another subject. So don't let me, let's not forget to do that. Well, I might just on purpose, but uh, what I learned most or my biggest takeaway rather is that I, I think Tennessee's going to be okay pitching. Like we already knew that, but just had to see we, it. Right. Right. Exactly. We, we, we knew that there was a lot of potential. We just hadn't seen Chase Burns do it. We, we hadn't seen Chase Dolander do it in a Tennessee uniform. Ben Joyce has not taken the mound at Tennessee. Uh, Ethan Smith had, had not done it at Tennessee. Uh, several guys of that nature, Drew Beam on Sunday, had never taken a mound in college baseball. So they all looked the part. They all lived up to the hype and, and the talk that's been generated behind the scenes. And look, with, with a couple of those guys, they're going to have to prove it more than just Georgia Southern. But I also don't think it should be taken lightly that they did do it against Georgia Southern because Georgia Southern – the strength of their team coming back into this season was that seven of their nine position players were back and, and that, that they were going to be mm -hmm. a, a team that really hung its hat on the offensive end. So it shouldn't be taken lightly that those guys that, that are new did it against Georgia Southern. Yes, we, we need to, to have a, a bigger sample size before we have our final judgment uh, and, and kind of final projections for the pitching staff in general. But, man, they they all lived up to the hype uh, opening weekend. They, they all did exactly what they should. And I just can't help but think uh, about getting Seth Halverson back and, and, and getting Blake Tidwell back, just even yeah. how much better this pitching staff can be. E even the guys that you knew what you were going to get from them, they looked good this weekend. Camden Sewell wasn't supposed to pitch, pitched on Friday like we discussed. Also pitched on Sunday. He looked good in both outings. Redmond Walsh, he looked good. Will Mabry, he he looks better than he did last year. So uh, came really in and saw the bleeding in that. He came in and saw the bleeding in that that Saturday sixth inning, which was yes. which was huge, right? Because I mean that's absolutely. I mean Georgia Southern was feeling pretty good about themselves at the time. Yes, your question that you have for me, sir. Yeah, uh, and just to further your point, you gosh, you can never have enough arms. Uh, you know, weekend series weeks like this when you have two midweek games um obviously when you get into the regionals and um you know stuff like that it's uh super regionals you, you can never have enough arms so it was good to see all those arms go this weekend i want this to be a quick conversation because i don't want to blow this out of proportion um but i did have troy in, in recording my episode of locked on balls for monday that all you guys should check out as well um i asked him about this as well 
should there be concern about managing base runners right now? Wasn't a huge problem. And overall, in college baseball right now in the SEC, unless you're Vanderbilt, you don't run an awful lot. But with, with Daniels or with Evan Russell being so unselfishly moving positions, and he's the pulse of this team, he's, he's the leader, he's the heart of this team, moving from left field behind the plate. You know, I had some guys, you know, take second on him this weekend, take third on him this weekend without even a throwdown. And some of that's on the pitchers as well. It's not just on Evan Russell, but should there be a concern about it moving forward? Again, don't want to blow anything out of proportion. It was three games and it wasn't horrible, but I did. That was a big takeaway if I'm nitpicking from this weekend. It's like, oh boy, that could be an issue at some point this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's certainly fair to wonder about for sure that is that is a huge element of baseball <laughs> and, and can certainly uh, make an inning larger than it should be. So I think it's fair to question. I, I don't think that maybe Evan is at fault as much as people think that he is. Because I agree with that, yeah. Even last year, Tennessee's pitchers were slow to the plate. I mm-hmm. I almost feel like that's a, a bigger issue. And then you don't have an elite defensive catcher to kind of make up for pitchers being slow to the plate. So, I mean, but that it's fair to raise that concern, but also like it's what we expected going into the season, you know, like, like we expected Evan and surely he does not have these expectations for himself. He should not have these basic uh, expectations that I'm about to mention. He shouldn't have those uh, for himself, but like, I don't expect him to go out there and and look like Buster Posey behind the plate. He's been put in an unfair situation and and credit to him for making the absolute most of it. I think Mm -hmm. he's going to be better than we all expected and exceed expectations, but he's also not going to be Buster Posey behind the plate. So uh, it's fair to raise that question, but it's also kind of what we expected coming into the season. If that yep. makes sense. And again, as we both pointed out, I, I can't stress this enough too. In baseball, it like it it might look like they're running all over the catcher if that's the case. But I mean, it, it's you're called the battery for a reason. It's just as much on the catcher, uh, you know, that it is on the pitcher and it's delivery, it's timing to the plate, it's it's uh playing mind games with that runner over at first base, picking them off, stepping off, all that type of stuff, and just getting the ball to the plate. So um, it's always not just on the catcher. It's on the battery mate, too. And so I'm glad you pointed that out because that is 100% accurate. And I think that, you know, the common fan might just not not recognize that. And so that, that's important. Last thing before we get out of here, really want to emphasize just how terrific of a turnout this weekend was. I mean, it was just absolutely terrific. Uh, a record-setting opening day crowd but it was also a record-setting weekend crowd. Literally the most people who have ever been to Lindsey Nelson Stadium took place this weekend. Just an absolutely terrific environment. 4,580 were in attendance on Sunday, which brought the attendance for the weekend to 13,566, which is a program record. Not for opening weekend ever at any point in history. Throughout the season, postseason, opening weekend, ever. This weekend was the largest attendance in in the history of the program. Uh, the previous record was 11,280. So Tennessee uh, breaks that previous record by about uh, 2,250 to 300 people. So uh, to me, Kaner, it kind of speaks to, to how far Tennessee is behind in baseball or, or has been prior to Tony Vitello. I saw where Mississippi State had 34,000 people 
uh, in Starkville for, for baseball this weekend, which is 34,000 compared to 13,000. So I think that does speak to how far Tennessee is behind facilities wise and, and where the mm-hmm. program was prior to Tony Vitello, but uh, to, to beat the last half full and, and end on a positive note and, uh, I discussed on our preview pod how I thought it was really cool the carryover in terms of fan support and excitement from last season. It's been terrific carryover uh, into this opening weekend, and that showed. And although it may speak to to what Tennessee baseball was and is pre Tony Vitello, um, man, it also speaks to what Tony Vitello has done at Tennessee that uh, in year five he's shattering the opening weekend's all time attendance record. Yeah, let's not forget, we mentioned the Friday attendance and the Sunday attendance, but when your boy was covering the game, <laughs> obviously you're going to have the highest on Saturday, usually 4,651 attendees on Saturday. So it just speaks to, um, yeah, of course, everything you said and more. Um, I, I just think it plus two, it's it's the exciting brand of baseball that Tony Vitello brings. These guys are having fun. They're supporting each other. They're hitting home runs. They're putting on the hat. Now they're putting on a fur coat. Um, it's, you know, a lot of offense, you know, lockdown pitching. That was the case this weekend. It won't always be the case moving on through the season, but for the, for the pretty much all of Tony Vitello's tenure here at Tennessee, it's been that it's been an exciting brand of baseball. So, um, you know, hats off to all you guys that were out at Lindsay Nelson stadium this weekend, uh, made for an awesome environment. And, uh, hopefully that is, uh, you know, what we have to look forward to all season long, uh, as, uh, we venture on throughout year five of the TV era. Looking ahead to the week coming up, uh, Tennessee has five games this week. They'll play on Tuesday at 4.30 against Tennessee Tech. They'll play on Wednesday at 4.30 against UNC Asheville. So two games in the midweek, and we'll be able to see quite a a bit of arms for Tennessee those two days. And, And some players who didn't get to play a ton this weekend, uh, they'll, they'll get their opportunities in, in the midweek as well. Uh, So two midweek games, and then this weekend they play Iona. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, 4.30 pitch on Friday, 1 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday start times. So uh, I I think a a good topic going into this weekend, uh, when we reconvene on Thursday for our weekend preview pod, I want to go through Tennessee's roster and give our initial impressions kind of on each guy. And and just quick thoughts. Don't don't need, don't need to have a two hour podcast breaking down Tennessee's roster super in depth to, to that extent. But just initial thoughts on on newcomers and guys who are back for another year, because Tennessee should should beat Iona the way that it beat Georgia Southern this past weekend, if not even more so. So there won't be a ton to preview for that series. So I do want to go through uh, later in the week when we reconvene uh, and kind of discuss our early impressions on, on the the roster and then come back uh, prior to the second weekend in March. Iona this weekend, then Tennessee goes to Houston next weekend to play in its big tournament against Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma. And then let's come back and do the same thing and kind of compare our, our thoughts now. Uh, and, and then once we actually have a, a legit sample size of, of these guys. So a uh, busy week for Tennessee baseball. Uh, Kaner and I will, will be all over it and uh, stick to, to VolQuest. And Kane, how can people follow you and your work? Yep, underscore Kaner. I post uh, every article I write, every podcast I do with the Locked On Balls podcast, which is every single day, post it all there at underscore Kaner. 
and I can be found at Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. But if you are listening to this, then you probably already know that, <laughs> but still going to remind you anyways, Kane and I will be back on Thursday uh, as we will stick to our plan of doing a preview pod on Thursday. So for Eric Kane, I am Ben McKee. This has been your opening weekend recap. Can't believe opening weekend has already come and gone. And, and now we really turn up the heat five games this week. And then next weekend, a big weekend for the Vols, Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma. That'll be fun. So Eric and I will be back with you later on this week for Eric, for myself. We both hope you have a great weekend. We'll talk to you all later.